Welcome to the Hillside Podcast. We trust that you'll be impacted by listening to today's message. Thank you once again, Roger and Tanya, for um, allowing me to uh, speak this morning. I've had this sort of unction from within for a, quite a long time, and it's, to be honest, it's quite a nerve-wracking experience to stand here and to speak. Uh, So please accept if I do make some mistakes along the way. But the music this morning was just so all-enthralling because my favorite, one of my favorite hymns is How Great Thou Art. Thank you, Caleb. Turning Your Eyes on Jesus, another one. I I actually wept all the way through, so my makeup is smeared. It's okay. Um, It's not about me. It's all about Jesus. My testimony is that of overcoming in Christ of forgiveness and spiritual freedom. Um, My whole reason for speaking, basically, is to be an encouragement to anyone, particularly our young people living in this country, uh, overcoming adversity. For me, it was Christ. And in my life, I I was sustained throughout many, many crises. Yes, it was his amazing love that protected me throughout. My first verse, uh, John 13, 33 says, In the world you will have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I grew up in Northern Ireland. Many of you have guessed, of course, that I am Irish with my accent, and I don't ever want to lose it. (laughs) Um, I worked with my dad on the farm. I loved the farm. I would get out there and work and dig and drive a tractor, no problem to me. My parents were Christians. It was indeed the true example of my father, his practical example and support to his neighbors, particularly poor people around us who did not have. And, um, you know, there was this whole issue of uh, political uh, upset, and dad would be right there, as well as my mother, inviting and encouraging hospitality and helping them in every possible way. Um, I gave my life to Jesus when I was 13 years old. I further trained in Belfast. It's quite a prestigious hospital because only the best get in there. And I went there with absolutely no expectations, thinking I wasn't good enough. But somehow I was admitted, and I worked alongside dedicated quality girls, the true nightingales of that era. While working in casualty, I witnessed the outcome of senseless killing. Young men who, through lack of correct education, did not need to die. It was my uniform that protected me walking long distance to work every morning against snipers scanning from the rooftops to pick off a chosen target. This, indeed, was the catalyst to me coming to the border of Zambia, Malawi, where I worked in a bush hospital, delivering babies and attending to many prems. I was the lone midwife, with little time for rest, with an incubator that truly reminded me of my mother with her day-old chicks. And um, somehow it worked even for these tiny little babies. I didn't lose a baby, and I'm proud of that. I was to embark on a project which would change my life because then, in a short time, I met my first husband. He was a wildlife conservationist, 
and he worked in the well-known Luangwa Valley, owning a safari business. There is indeed much I can relate about him, but suffice it to say that he took many risks uh, with potentially dangerous animals. Yet, the unseen hand of the Lord was upon him. At that stage, he didn't know the Lord, but I prayed for him continually. In fact, I never stopped praying for his salvation. I sensed the Lord would honor my prayers to bring him to the saving knowledge of Christ. Subsequently, I worked in the Congo at a mission station close to the border of Central African Republic for most of a year. I was the so-called proverbial flower that came to assist, to support, and encourage. I loved my work in this dilapidated hospital. I sensed I'd been guided there by the Lord and was excited to respond in an area I knew that I could assist. Coming from a background of strong missionary influence in Ireland, uh, I worked alongside two missionaries um, in a very remote area. And on one side, we had a leper colony. And, um, and I love to encourage these girls because they had come through serious, serious trauma as well, in that there was a group of missionaries, and I'd heard them there speak many times in Ireland of various missionaries that went to this hospital and subsequently lost their lives through to invading uh, forces that uh, didn't want them there because they were Christians. So these were the last two missionaries. What a joy it was to share with them for that year. However, this area was known as the white man's grave because of the many serious parasites. I had malaria many times, including cerebral malaria. I also became ill with a condition called filariasis, uh, causes swelling of the joints and very quickly becomes chronic and subsequent death. I was sent home to Ireland and they couldn't help me, then to the Tropical Diseases Hospital in London and I overcame all that, ready and prepared to come back. My husband finished the safari business that was in the Congo. I somehow felt that my work was better um, uh, used helping others. Uh, I was very happy for him to be in the bush. But at that time, um, that year, at the end of that year, it was decided because we'd been married now a couple of years, we'd like to come back to start a life where we could create some kind of foundation for our children. We farmed outside Lusaka, Zambia, and uh, to be honest, we had absolutely no experience of farming in Africa. So we had to take humble pie and listen to our neighbors and uh, have advice from each and every person. When do you plant? When do you do that? And you know, the neighbors were absolutely fantastic. We had lovely people around us to support us. Um, there was no spare parts in the country. It was at a very bad time post uh, their independence, which was 68, although this was now 1978, still struggling with spares. Um, my husband would actually recreate something out of the scrap heap to keep those dilapidated tractors on the go at the time. Our girls grew up on the farm and were encouraged to get involved with farm life, which they loved. Coming from Ireland and uh, to live and work in Africa, it was indeed my naivety 
which allowed me to believe that I was safe. The first time I was beaten up, I dropped my two little girls at the local school, and on driving home, I swerved to avoid a mud hole in rainy weather, and I had a log terry thrashed into my car. Unfortunately, I got stuck in the hole, which is, of course, was uh, an opportunity for this um, assailant to come and um, you know, attack me. I slipped into the big hole at the door, and uh, after not nice things happening, um, fortunately, I, wa I was never raped. I will say that from the outset, but I was badly beaten up. He ran away. The shock of that experience was quite disturbing and painful, yet a huge relief that I was indeed rescued. It was almost like God was sending the angels to, to look after me. I find that in every single one of my experience, it's to God give the glory, because he's done amazing, miraculous, overcoming things in my life. It was several months later, uh, on the farm, uh, we were invaded by activists who had been given temporary uh, settlement on the border of our farm. That we did not know when we purchased the farm. I was returning with my two small children one evening when I got out of the car to close the vehicle to close the farm gate. The assailant lunged at me with an ob carry again and suffered cracked skull, broken ribs, assumed dead, as my two little girls witnessed this terrible violence. The hand of the Lord was upon me, saving me from further molestation. I somehow managed to crawl back to the vehicle and drive my traumatized children and myself home before I collapsed on the steering wheel. I subsequently ended up in hospital. Sometime later, I did manage to let one or two farmers know to pray for me because I was in an exceeding amount of pain and also the headaches were ceaseless. Slowly but surely I recovered and I'm a very determined Irish girl. And although I was indeed very frail, I determined not to submit to bitterness. I was alive. And while in that semitose, comatose state on that bed, I drifted between prayer, the cross, withholding verses of the blood of Jesus, the 23rd Psalm amidst the terrible headaches. I had that sense of inner peace as I repeated, Jesus, Jesus and the knowledge of his real presence. It was surreal as I lay there in a lot of pain, yet with a feeling of deep security and loved. A beautiful bird bath was placed outside my window. That reminded me that if even the tiniest little bird was taken care of, then I am worthy of his presence, his peace. This gave me hope. Hebrews 12.1, based on our future, which then at that time could not be seen. I knew then my individual relationship with Jesus was crucial for survival, mentally and physically, the foundation to my beliefs. Having that time alone in the secret place was vital. Many thoughts went through my head as to my future well-being, Yet, in my broken state, physically and mentally, I was able to use simple words like, 
Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine, remembering those hymns from my childhood. Psalm 91 was another of my holding verses. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. The proverbial big eagle wings were my protection. Uh, when I finally recovered, it did take time, I was amazed at my attitude. I never held bitterness against those men who nearly destroyed me. Although I was quite frail for a long time, that inner peace had not left me while cultivating it. With long hours in bed, holding a grudge was going to hold me in bondage. I had life. I would now live. My attitude to life was that gift of freedom was going to set me free mentally and physically. However, the area of forgiveness needed to be addressed. Without forgiveness in my heart, I could never have victory. Without forgiveness, I would become embittered. Forgiveness is a choice. Realizing I was going to be able to live allowed me to communicate with my Lord about forgiving those who, knowing they might destroy my body, yet could not steal my soul. I was reminded, yes, of Jesus on that cross when he forgave the thief and asked his heavenly Father to forgive those who do not know what they're doing. I was able to apply this to my own life. Quite amazing and a truly humbling experience. It is that genuine forgiveness that brought about my spiritual freedom. Freedom is indeed the ultimate and pivotal aspect of forgiveness. The church here continues to remind us continually of true freedom in Christ. Praise the name of Jesus, I was alive and would recover. A few weeks ago, or maybe some months now, Hilton spoke and reminded us <clears throat> that if we do not have courage and hope in our youth, we will live with regret in our old age. We need courage to bring about change and wisdom to carry it through. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your paths. Thirteen years later, in 1990, we came to live in Limpopo province, South Africa. Our girls were schooled in Johannesburg at a private school. We were met with yet another challenge on a run-down farm. My husband dedicated himself to turning this farm into a wildlife reserve. We struggled with drought for years, lost many animals, yet chose to be resilient and to make a plan, building reservoirs on the highest peaks and reticulating water throughout the whole ranch. Slowly, we introduced a selection of game, which had been wiped out before our time through illicit poaching and serious drought. Perennial grass was put in in selected areas and maintained for the likes of the very sensitive sable that we introduced in our latter years. Once again, I was held up at gunpoint in my own kitchen. I'd not seen these strange men enter my home. With 
the gun at my head, I somehow managed not to scream, and rather I put my hands over my ears, waiting for what I thought was inevitable. As I turned around very slowly and faced three assailants, I did have the courage to say right there, Jesus loves you. I did not give direct eye contact, as I had the sense I was faced with evil men with evil intentions. So I focused my eyes on the lower part of their faces. In other words, we do not have to accept the evil contact with the devil or his angels. The gun was removed from my head, and the other two men with assegais held their position strongly. And I quietly, though shaking from head to foot, kept pleading the, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over my life. It was a miracle. The arrival of my husband in his vehicle alerted the men to flee. Though they had, um, when he stopped, they had fired at him and missed him. And again, they attempted to fire at me and missed me. Praise God. That night, police reservists visited our farm and asked, how is it they, they didn't beat you to death and they were showing me not nice photographs? I said, I don't need to look at that. I said, I know one thing. I simply asked and pleaded. The blood of Jesus meant every word of what I said, and I was protected. The angels were all around me. It was an emotionally shattering experience, but I was able to share Jesus with them and thank him for sharing, uh, sparing my life. Throughout our community, there was a sense of fear. Am I okay with time? Thank you. Our farming community asked if I would speak at the local community. The women in particular were feeling insecure about staying in that part of the world. It gave me a great peace and a sense of gratitude that I should even get asked. So once again, <clears throat> I spoke of the blood of Jesus that was there to protect me and simply gave the farmers a testimony of my faith in the Lord, hoping to sow a seed what would Jesus have done in the circumstances? Jesus was constantly in communion with his heavenly Father when faced with death. Communion was an anchor and is an anchor when we align ourselves with the cross. Jesus suffered in the most extreme ways to bring life and freedom. There is truly room for self-pity but when you're focused on the reality and acknowledging the cross and the brokenness that Christ endured, it can be very humbling, a time of reflection, a time of gratitude, of praise ongoing and thanks, knowing I am alive, I've been protected. It is that beautiful thread that weaves between our past, our present, and our future. In the past, I'm reminded of what God had done for me, his faithfulness, his grace. In the present, I'm able to remember those testimonies of overcoming bad times when too weak to even really pray. Claiming Jesus, that precious blood over pain, my brokenness, bringing great peace and rest to my soul. It is to build our trust in Christ and align only with him. When you are remembering Jesus and trusting in him completely, you are indeed filled with hope. 
for the future in this broken world around you. Matthew 17, 20, it is the master's seed faith speaking to that mountain in your life to be removed and cast away. That promise is embedded in the body and the blood of Jesus. Our individual relationship with Christ is indeed crucial to our lives and foundational to our beliefs. My final and last trauma was losing my first husband in the most untimely of circumstances when he was killed on the farm five years ago by a buffalo. Since coming to Hillcrest and living in my beautiful oasis of peace with my wonderful husband, Don, I feel truly blessed that I have been spared to enjoy the serenity and peace of a beautiful environment. I take nothing for granted, accepting each day as a gift from the Lord, sparing me and giving me a life trusting in him. My heart's desire that my story will be a great encouragement primarily to you, the lovely young people in this church or anyone else in this church who may be facing adversity or sadness in their lives. I'd like to close with the reading from Psalm 37, verses 1. I'm not quite sure, uh, but I'll certainly read the first bit. Do not fret yourselves because of evil men or those that do wrong. For like grass, they will soon wither. Trust in the Lord, do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy south pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Amen. If there's anyone here who would like prayer, I'm more than happy, as well as core team, to pray for you. So if there's, I leave it at that, and thank you for this opportunity. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear your story if you've been encouraged by this episode. You can connect with us on Facebook or leave a review on our podcast.